All right, you ready for the word this morning? Uh, go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, and I will start the uh, clock to give you a false sense of hope. And uh, we're talking about faith works. And last week we covered a lot of ground, and I don't want to recover all of that. But if you weren't here, I would encourage you to go to our website, our YouTube channel. Um, I don't know if it's still up on Facebook, but we got a variety of ways. You can even grab a CD. But I would really encourage you to listen to that because you need to know that we have not evolved beyond the need for faith. We are still a people of faith. We're just like our grandma and our grandpa and their grandma and their grandpa and everyone that's ever walked with God. We got to walk by faith. We never get too good for faith. We never outgrow faith, and faith never becomes antiquated and useless. Right. Amen? Right. I, there are some things that I want to keep that are old. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, reading it to you out of the King Jimmy Version. For Y'all going, I got my own version of the Bible. For in Jesus Christ... Neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith. Everyone say, but faith. but faith. What Paul is saying here, and I'm only going to rehash a few things. Paul is saying it ain't about how you look on the outside. It ain't about the fact that you've been in church since you came out of the womb and you ain't never sinned and you walk right, you talk right, you dress right, but you ain't right. It ain't about all those things on the outside. It's not about your moral, your superior, your superior morality. And he also said it's not about the fact that since you came out of the womb, you've been looking for new ways to sin. You know, we got both groups, right? You got something like my wife. My wife ain't never done nothing wrong. When we first got married, I looked at her and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You ain't never done nothing? She said, I gone to church. You ain't never done nothing bad. I stole gum once. You're an outlaw, baby. But we got both groups, and what Paul is saying is your superior morality doesn't qualify you, and the fact that you, you're the greatest among sinners does not disqualify you because that ain't about the externals, it's about the internal, it's about faith that comes out of the heart and that worketh by love. The only thing that qualifies us is faith. Amen? It ain't about where you come from. I've, I've been around some churches before when... They want to know if I'm third generation from their camp, right? It's like you've got to have an ancestry to qualify. You don't want to know my ancestors. My ancestors weren't worth knowing. But old things have passed away. It ain't about what they did. It ain't about what they failed to do. It's about the fact that Jimmy has given his life to Christ, and so therefore old things, all of them, every one of them have passed away, and all things have become new. So it's not about my ancestry where they were, were, were there thugs or rich men. That don't matter. It's all about faith, right? And so last week, I'm just going to give you three things that we said. Faith is not a tool by which we manipulate an unwilling God. You'd be surprised how easy faith can become legalism. And it's all about how many prayers you pray and how many confessions you make. And as if, you know, if you say it 499 times, it ain't going to happen. But on the fifth, 500th time, something magical happened. And you forced an unwilling God to bless you. That is so untrue. That's what happens, though, when you remove grace from the faith teaching. Right? And I, I'm just going to chase a little rabbit. I, a couple years ago, I got a call from Tulsa, Oklahoma, wanting to know if I had... For, if I have forfeited my faith background and become a grace teacher, and they said, because it sounds a whole lot like you're teaching grace, and you got to make a decision, are you a grace teacher or are you a faith teacher? And without even hesitating, I said, yep, I'm both. Because you can't, you can't obtain the promises of grace without faith. You've got to have faith to get that which God has granted you by grace. Right? So you, you've got to have faith. But you, you can't have faith without grace because your faith can't just say, well, I'm going to get this. And I shared the story with you last week about a woman that had a revelation that Kenneth Copeland was her husband. 
Well, Grace had not provided Kenneth Copeland as her husband, so her faith could not get it. Your faith can't get whatever it is you want if it's not based in grace, right? So grace and faith are not at odds. They might fight, churches might fight, but grace and faith don't fight. They work hand in hand. That's how salvation comes. Grace and faith, and that's how everything is. So I said that faith is not a tool that you use to manipulate an unwilling God. And the truth of the matter is, God is far beyond our ability to manipulate anyway. You would have more luck stopping the setting sun than you would in controlling God. Amen? God is God. I also said faith is spiritual. This is the reason why some people struggle with faith, because they equate faith with emotions, or they equate faith with the intellect, and faith is not mental. Faith is emotional. Faith is spiritual. The Bible says he's give, it's a spirit of faith. Amen? Yes. Number three, I also said that as Christians, we only have two options. Walk by faith or not. All right? But the price for not walking by faith is far too high. Because if we don't walk by faith, everyone say, I'm listening. I'm listening. If we don't walk by faith, then our life becomes confined to what we can produce. Out of our own intellect, our own sheer willpower, the, the, the strength of our arms or the strength of our mind. You, you, if you don't walk by faith, you can be a Christian, you can love the Lord, but you can live your whole life confined by what you can do. But when we walk by faith, suddenly the impossible becomes possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, 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 we, when we walk by faith, suddenly miracles become the norm. That, if you're walking by sight and not by faith, then miracles are not the norm. And then you come up with this weird theology that somehow God has changed and miracles are done away with. No, God never changed. You just forfeited faith. But if we walk by faith, then suddenly we level up in life and we're no longer walking according to natural means. Now we're walking according to supernatural means and, and supernaturally we can bless two crackers and one sardine and everyone can have Thanksgiving. Because the laws of physics no longer apply because only the laws of heaven do. Amen? If you're walking by faith, a human body can walk on water. Walking by faith is worth the price. Now, we all understand that when Paul, when Paul talked about the fight of faith, you've got to understand there is a fight. It's, it's, it's as much internal as it is external. And that, in fact, it's probably more internal. And there's a fight of faith because what we see contradicts what we believe. And, and there's an inner struggle that if God was God, then why would I be seeing this? And if God was good, why would I be seeing that? And, and if God was good, why would I be feeling the way I feel? And, and there's that fight of faith. And when Paul talked about the fight of faith, in the Greek language, he used the word agon. Many of you have heard me say this before. That, and that word agon is where we get the word agony. Because there is an agonizing aspect of walking by faith. There's an internal struggle where we have got to keep telling ourselves, God said this. I see that, but God said this. I feel that, but God said this. And this is what's going on, but God said this. And that's an internal fight, but it's a fight worth fighting. And even if there's an agonizing aspect of it, if we choose above everything else to believe that God is good and he watches over his word to perform it. It might not change right now. It might not change in the next hour. But just like Abraham, we keep putting one foot in front of the other. And if it takes 25 minutes or 25 years, we don't grow weak in faith because we count him faithful who has promised. Amen. Amen. We've got to remember we are people of faith. First and foremost people of faith. Well, Paul said something amazing about faith. He said that faith worketh by or through love. Amen? Before I, I got to say this, I wrote it down. Faith's ultimate objective is to make God's truth our reality. And you, and you need, listen, 
The Bible says that when Jesus came, when, when, upon the advent of Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ came, the law, the Bible says, came by Moses. But when Jesus Christ came, along with him came grace and truth. So we need to realize that when faith achieves its objective of making God's truth my reality, then my reality is filled with God's grace. About two of you got that. God's, when my faith is focused and functioning, when my faith is focused, focused on what? Not on the problems. See, that's, too many of us, we focus on the problems and wonder why our faith grows weak. Abraham, the Bible says, did not look at Sarah's womb and the deadness of it, nor even at his own aging body. Right? That's what had to be overcome, but that's not what he was focused on. Yes. He was focused on the one who had promised, counted him faithful. Looking unto Jesus, the Bible says, who's the author and finisher of our faith. Take your eyes off your problems and put your eyes upon your God. Yes. I want to say that again. Take your eyes off your finances. Take your eyes off your medical report. Take your eyes off your surroundings and look fully into his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Amen. In the light of his wonder, glory, and grace. So our faith ought to be focused. And as our faith gets focused, it's functioning. And as it's functioning, it makes God's truth my reality. And as God's truth fills my reality, because I build my life upon his truth and his truth builds my life, now my life becomes filled, saturated, overflowing with God's grace. And when my life is overflowing with God's grace, all the drama disappears. When my life is flow overflowing with God's grace, illness has no room to maneuver. Because all of the promises of God, which the Bible tells us are yes and amen, they are all promises of grace. So my faith reaches out and it believes God's truth and it yanks into my existence God's grace. So we want to walk by faith. Amen? Hallelujah, Father. But Paul said this faith, it worketh by love. Now this, this word love is a very important word that we got to understand because, you know, our master, our master was unique. Our master was one of a kind. Our master... Our master defied description. Ain't nobody ever taught the way he taught. Ain't nobody ever loved the way he loved. No, he, he, he could go, doctrinally, he could sit down with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and he could debate them. But he could also, in love, go out and hug the leper and sit down with the woman at the well. And he, he, he could be all things to all people. He defied description and yet, it, it, it fell upon the disciples and the writers of the New Testament to define the undefinable and to describe the indescribable so that we would know who it is we call Christ. That's good, man. That's good. And in order to do that, they had to come up with some new words because you can't use old words to describe him. Amen. And one of these new words that the Holy Spirit had to birth in order to describe him was the word agape. Scholars tell us that before the advent of Christ, that there was no such word. They didn't have need of a word like that because no one ever loved like that. Amen. But when Jesus came, his love, it crossed borders and it jumped boundaries and it did things that that love never did. So they had to come up with a new word. And this word they came up with was agape. And this is the word that Paul says that that faith worketh by agape. And this is really important that you and I understand because doesn't it only make sense? Now, we covered this last week that, that according to Romans chapter 12, that we all have a measure of faith. And according to Mark chapter 11, it's the God kind of faith. Remember, we covered that last week. Wouldn't it make sense that the God kind of faith would require the God kind of love in order to operate? This, this illustration might be really poor, but, you know, there are some vehicles you can buy 
And if they're a highly tuned, well-defined vehicle, they require a certain type of fuel. You can't just put any fuel in there. Because if you try to run that thing with any old fuel, it's going to malfunction. It won't work unless you put the right stuff in it. Right? And the person who determines what type of fuel it needs is the one who designed the thing. It's not up to you to say, well, it's mine. I'm going to just do whatever. You can do that, but it won't function. So God is the author and the finisher of faith. And so he said, in order for you to have the God kind of faith, it's got to work with the God kind of love. And this ain't just any old love. This is agape love. And if you walk in the agape love, the God kind of love, it supercharges the God kind of faith. And you need the God kind of faith to live the God kind of life. Do you see how it all goes together? You can't have the God kind of life without the God kind of faith. And you can't operate in the God kind of faith without the God kind of love. But I also said, this, I've said this to you before, that before God will ever require anything from you, he'll give it to you. And I said, if you, if you go to Romans chapter 12, go ahead and put that up on the screen if you would. We'll see in Romans chapter 12 that the Bible says he's given to each. Depending upon what translation you read, it'll either say a measure of faith or the measure of faith. But he has given to each faith. I want to say that again. It would be unjust of God to require from you a God kind of faith and leave you with a human kind of faith. So before he ever requires it from you, he gives it to you. But if you go to Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5 tells us that the Holy Spirit has poured out into our hearts love. The God kind of love. The Holy Spirit. Now, y'all following me? Before he ever required you to love, he gave you love. And knowing that it would require the God kind of love to have the God kind of faith, Romans chapter 5 comes before Romans chapter 12. So before he required of you that faith, he gave you that love. But now that you have it, the question is not, can we? The only question is, will we? Because we can, because it's in there. Are y'all following me this morning? We can love like the master loved, because it's in there. We can minister like the master ministered, because it's in there. Are you following me? It ain't about I got to conjure it up. And I don't got to go hide away and say, I believe I can't, 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 I believe I believe I can't, I believe I can't. No, no, no. It's already in there. All I got to do is say, I am. You see, I've said this to you. Oh, man, I'm starting to. If you only knew who you are. In Christ, you are everything he's made you to be. You are not insufficient. You are not inferior. Because he's already imparted it all to you. Now all you got to do is use it. You can love just like he loved. Oh, no, pastor, you don't know who's in my life. Ah, you don't know who's in mine. But I know who's inside. You can, you can lay your hands upon the sick and see them recover. You can create wellness with words. You can speak to mountains and they got to move. You can speak to fig trees and make them die if you want them to die. Speak life if you want them to live. It works by love. Listen to this. We can't have world-changing faith if we don't have world-embracing love. I want to say that again. We cannot have... I don't care what you name your ministry and what you name your building. But if you hate your brother whom you have seen, don't tell me you love your God whom you have not seen. And if we can hate each other just because we have slight variances in size and scope and shape and color or even doctrine, you want to know where faith went? Faith went out the door when we hated each other. Yes, sir. Because if we want faith to work, 
If we want world-changing faith, we've got to have world, and that's a big place filled with all kinds of different people. We've got to have world-embracing love. Is this okay this morning? Hallelujah, Father. When Listen to this. When a man is love-ruled, love-owned, and love-motivated, he doesn't shrink back from any sacrifice. As I said, the question is not can we, the question is will we? Will we surrender ourselves to live this life of love? Will we willingly look over offenses? Will we willingly love when we have the opportunity and maybe even sometimes the reason to hate. There was a song sung a long time ago. The haters are going to hate, hate, hate. And the players, you know, this, this is probably before y'all are such young ones, you don't even know when. It, it was sung a long time ago by a poet who's long since been forgotten. The haters are going to hate, hate, hate. And the players are going to play, but play, play, play. But I'm going to shake it off. Y'all ain't even, y'all listening to me. There are some things, if you want to live an overcoming life, you got to quit hiding it inside and you got to shake it off. Because haters are always going to hate. Let them hate. But don't let them contaminate you. Shake it off. If, I ever, if you ever see me leave somebody's presence and I'm going. It's not a medical condition. I'm shaking it off. I don't want your prejudice all over me. I don't want your hatred all over me. I don't want your offense to become mine. So I'm Shake it off. Why? Because I want to walk in the power of God. I want to make a mark on this world. I want to, when I finally and ultimately leave this planet, I want there to be some tears. Because somebody who made a difference in a multitude of lives is no longer here. And that can only be accomplished by faith. Listen to this. I'm always hesitant. I for years, I, I never would share my own illustrations. I would never share examples because I was taught early on, teach to express, not to impress. And sometimes some preachers are really, really, they're keen on telling you how spiritual they are so that you, you'll be impressed by them. And so for years, I hesitated in sharing any of my experiences. And then the Lord let me know little by little, and I ain't there yet, but he let me know little by little that those experiences weren't for my own edification. They were for the edification of us all. And so I want, you to, I want you to hear this because it's not the only time it's ever happened, but the first time was the most traumatic and the most dramatic, so it's the one I always refer to. But when you and I finally learn and accept and embrace the love of God, we will stop seeing people according to the flesh. Now I'm going to let you know it's a traumatic thing because we've been so trained to see each other by externals that when we finally step over into a new realm of life and we begin to see people by internals, it'll blow your mind and wreck your world. But that Holy Spirit really wants to wreck your world. I'm just letting you know. He wants to destroy it so he can rebuild it. And there was a time when the Lord gave me a teaching. It was really on the love of God, but we called it being the friend of God. And it was the only teaching he had ever given me. I'm going to speak fast so I can get through this really quick. It was the only teaching he had ever given me with the instructions. You will teach this everywhere you go for one solid year. You teach nothing else. And so that's the only time a whole year I only taught this one thing. And there was one church in Texas knowing fully well I would teach the same thing every time I came. I think they had us in four times that year. Was that right? Four times. The pastor, he'd call me. I'd say, now, you know I'm going to preach the exact same thing I preached last time. Y'all got the CDs. Listen to them. Let me be. Leave me alone. But they, they would, if they were going to pay my way in, I'd come in. And so they would fly me down there. And on the fourth time, we had an angelic visitation that just, would just rocked my world completely. And I think it was either the next day or a day, there, maybe one or two days after this angelic visitation, we had a prayer line, and the building was probably about as wide as this. Am I right? 
about as wide as this. But because we had had a, an angelic visitation and we had a prayer line, it was wall-to-wall -wall people. And when I walked over this way to begin doing what we had been trained to do at Rhema, which is you start to the right and you work your way to the left and you make sure you got ushers behind so when they fall, they don't fall and hurt themselves. I walked over this way and something really weird happened. The person I saw was the most beautiful person I'd ever seen in my life. I couldn't hardly take my eyes off of them. They were sheer perfection. They were just glorious in their being. And that really, I didn't even know who it was. So I said, I don't know what's going on here. So I looked this way. And every person I saw was sheer perfection. They were beautiful beyond measure. I mean, they, they, it, it didn't, y'all listening to me. It didn't matter size, didn't matter shape, didn't matter color. And what really freaked me out, it didn't even matter gender. I was like, this is crazy. My spirit was alive, and it was going bang, 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 and my head is going tilt, tilt, tilt. This makes no sense. But every person I saw was beauty personified. And the thing was, I knew that in, in order to make them whole, if it would have required my death, I would have laid my life down in a heartbeat, no hesitation. And that, that does a, your mind can't handle that kind of love. But here's the thing, beyond that, that experience was glorious, and it was not the only time it ever happened. It was the first time, but not the only time. I didn't know what it was until several days later I sat down with my pastor, and I said, we didn't have, a, we didn't have this class in Bible school. What happened? Every man, every woman, every shade, every color, every shape, every, was, I loved them all. I would have died for them. They were sheer perfection. They were the most beautiful things I'd ever seen. I loved them violently. And he just looked at me. He said, now you know why I behave the way I do. I don't want to behave the way you do. Explain to me what happened. He said, you got to see people the way the Father does. I said, the Father sees us like that? He doesn't see the guilt, the shame, the sin. He doesn't see the stains. He doesn't smell the stench. He doesn't know who I really am. No, he knows who you are better than you do in Christ and he only sees you and here's what here's what faith was a non-issue we had so many miracles happen that night there was no conjuring up faith there was no standing in front of somebody and going fall would you fall there was such a peace that I would just look at people and they'd go, bop, 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 and they would rise whole. Broken hearts were mended, fragmented souls made whole, wounded bodies healed. Miracles all over the place, and it wasn't me, it was the love. Faith worketh by agape. And when agape's in the place, all bets are off. And here's the thing that I, when I looked at these people, and this is what really... It wasn't a question of would God. The question is, why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he heal you? He loves you this passionately. Why, why wouldn't he prosper you when he sees you so perfect? Why? They see, so many of us, we, we look for reasons to give God a why to do it. God, if I, if I pray more, you'll do it. If I, if I do this more, you'll do it. If I, if I can just do, you've got to understand you're already loved with a love that even the angels don't understand. You're loved with a love that defies explanation, and he sees you yes. in Christ yes. as sheer perfection. Uh -huh. We just, faith worketh by agape. And there, there, there's, well, before I go there, let me give you, go to put up, John, is this okay this morning? Wonderful. John chapter 13, I want to give you two words. Two words that'll wreck your life and then rebuild your world. See, when you, when you and I learn to walk in agape and faith explodes, you'll understand something that I've been made to understand. There's no such thing as an ugly person. There's no such thing as an unqualified person. There's no such thing as an unloved person. There's no such thing as an unwanted person. The only thing there is is a tragedy of those who don't know how greatly they are loved and don't understand the treasure who they are. That's all there is, is people that don't know the love of God. 
We look at each other and we judge each other based upon externals. Yes. Stop it. Stop that. Say, Father, help me to see my brother yes. as you do. Help me to see my sister as you do. Amen. And help my system to be detoxified. Yes. Two words, John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as. Everyone say even, even. As. as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Yes. Now here's the question, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to do what most of the church world does and flip the page and just walk on down the road and pretend that that really wasn't written? Or are we going to say la, stop, and think even as, even as, I got to love her even as? I got to love him? Even as? God, I can't do that. And that's the whole point. In the natural, you can't. God did not design life to be lived independently of him. You can't do these things on your own. I've said to you before, God celebrates individuality. He wants you to be who he created you to be. He ain't asking you to be Joyce Meyer. He's not looking for you to be T.D. Jakes. He's not asking you to be any. He celebrates your individuality yes. because the true treasure of you is your individuality. Yes. But God does not tolerate independence. Individuality and independence are two different things. He will never design a life for you that we can live apart from him. In leaning in, looking to him and believing in him, not a sign of weakness. It's not a crutch. It's the greatest liberation the human heart will ever know. Because it frees you to fulfill all of the divine potential that he has imparted into you. Even as. The secret to the kingdom life is found in even as. For all men will know that you're my disciples by the purity of your doctrine, by the length of your dress, by the shortness of men's hair. No, all men will know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. How do we love one another? Despite the differences. I might have good taste in music and you have none. But I forgive you. And I look past that insufficiency and I say, I love you because someday you'll like the Motown like I do. I just got to keep planting the temptation seed. Everyone say agape is the way. See, some people struggle with this because, and I did too, and I, 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 I reluctantly admit this, but after I had that experience, I resisted it for the last next couple years because it absolutely wrecks your emotion and it kind of scares you because you think if I walk in this kind of love, I'm going to have to give away everything that I am and everything that I have and what can I keep for mine if I love everyone this way? And it's a true, it's a true story. It's a, it's a real struggle. And we need to go to God and we need to say, God, if I love the way you commissioned me to love, then I'll not be able to keep anything for myself. I'll have to give it all away. And he'll ask you, what is it that's so valuable that you're afraid to give it away? And if we're willing to embrace this kind of love, we're realizing that there is a risk that we'll have to give ourselves away and give some things away if we're going to love. But the treasure that he'll reveal to us far outweighs the trash we have to give. Because, see, he'll peel back the natural eyes and he'll let us see what real treasure is. And he'll let you know that if you walk this way, if you seek first the kingdom and of its righteous way of doing things, I'll add so many things unto you, you won't even have room enough to contain them. Have you ever heard about houses you didn't build and wells you didn't dig and vineyards you didn't plant? Have you, have you, ever, have you ever dreamed of living in a house that big? Yes, sir, I have. Well, that ain't big enough. I'm going to show you one that's even bigger. Have you ever dreamed? 
He'll show you what real treasure is. And that's just the natural. Yes, sir. The real treasure that goes beyond that is the spiritual. You'll have his presence abiding with you all the time. You'll always have his insight and his anointing and his abilities. You'll have his peace and his joy that is unspeakable. And so full of glory that whatever it is you have to give away. We let trash hold such a place in our heart. Pastor, this is some expensive trash. I know. I got expensive trash too. But if we're willing to release it, in the place of that trash, he'll give you something you never could have gotten without him. He'll fill your, y'all, do we still believe the Bible or not? He'll fill our lives with such things that when people say, how'd you get that? You got no choice but to say, God. I I know who you are. You used to be poor. You were a pauper. I used to throw you breadcrumbs. How did you leapfrog past me? And how did you get that position? And I wanted that corner office. How'd you get it? God. Well, what did you do? I decided to love the way he loves. And I, I, every sacrifice that came my way, I said, God, I'm willing. Now, there are times he'll tell you, no, you don't need to give it. But the fact is, you're willing. You're willing to meet every need. You're willing to say, Father, I'll pour out my life as a drink offering. The, is this okay this morning? The apostle Paul went so far, he said, if I got to go to hell, if I got to totally give up my own salvation in order to bring your children home, can you imagine a love like that? A love that says, God, I, more than to, for me to die is gain. I want to be with you. But if it'll result in them being with you, I'll leave my place with you. And you can send me to hell in their place. Paul said that. Well, pastor, I want mountain moving faith. Me too. I do. I want to be able to pray and see things happen. I want to be able to lay hands on a sick and instant recoveries. I I want to be able to speak to things and see it change. I want to be like him. But I can't have mountain-moving, world-changing faith. Boy, it's gotten quiet in this place. If I don't have world-embracing love, I got a long ways to go in a short time to get there. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Because the only way to define agape is the way the Bible does. I'm going to read you 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8 out of the Passion Translation. And it starts out with love. If you do a word search, you'll find out this is not eros, it's not filio, it's agape. Agape. Everyone say agape. The God kind of love, the, the very kind of love that empowers our faith, the kind of love he poured out in our hearts. See, you maybe you've never used it, but you've got it. You've got a deep well of agape in there. All you've got to do is shake it up, stir it up, bring it up, and use it up. And you'll change the world. Agape is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It, what agape, stop that, refuses to be jealous when believing or when blessing comes to someone else. I like that. Agape refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. I got a pastor friend of mine, whoever he gets, whenever he gets a blessing, he calls me. And he told me one day, he said, you're the only man in the circle of my friends, and this guy has hundreds of pastors underneath him. He said, you're the only one I can share what God does for me, and you don't get mad. And you want to, you know, I told him, I said, you know why I don't get mad? Because if God did it for you, I know he'll do better for me. Because I'm a better Christian than you is. Pastor, you don't. Oh, yeah, I do. You got to know my friend. But God blesses him in amazing ways. I mean, he calls me sometimes and says, listen, this is what the Lord did. And I'm like, I'm so happy for you. (laughs) Pray to Lord. (laughs) 
Jesus. Hello. But we got to learn to rejoice with those who rejoice and give praise when another is blessed. Hmm. Love does not brag about one's own achievements, nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. This is agape. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for or of others. Is this okay? Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never stops loving, and I put this in here, which is why it never fails. Because at the point we stop loving, you ever want to know why the most tested thing in your life is your love? The thing the enemy comes after more than anything else is the love we have for one another. All you got to do is watch the nightly news. Hate fills, I'm not talking disagreement, I'm talking hate fills our streets. Why? Because the enemy knows a house divided cannot stand. And he also knows love, the very thing that makes us the most vulnerable. Because if I don't love you, you can't hurt me. But if I open up my heart to you, I give you the ability to stab me. But if I don't open up to you, I shut down myself. Because the very thing that makes me vulnerable makes me invincible. So I got to be willing to love. And and the enemy will give you a multitude of reasons why you got to stop loving them. Don't you know what they're saying about you? Don't you know what they've done to you? Remember all the things they've done. Because he wants to shut. He ain't doing that to protect you. He's doing that to shut you down. Because if he can get you to stop loving, he shuts your faith off. And without faith, you're now confined to a natural life. Everything that affects the world affects you. When they get sick, you get sick. When they get unemployed, you get unemployed. When they get divorced, you get divorced. When they die, you die. You do everything. Isn't it a... I know I got to stop. But isn't it a sad thing that statistically the church mirrors every aspect of the world? What's the difference? Because we don't sing their songs. No, there's got to be a greater difference than the songs we sing. There's got to be a greater difference than the fact they sleep in on Sundays and we get up. There's got to be a greater difference than that. And the difference is our faith. The difference is our Christ. We're in our lives. But if we have no love, then we have no power. And now we're nothing more than a club. Focusing on entertainment because we have no power to change lives. Mm. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It's more enduring than tongues, which one day falls silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. If we desire to be a man or woman of faith, we must be a child of love. But pastor, the price, learn to value value more than you do price. What's the value of the love more than what's the price? Forget about the crosses and the losses and look at the gains. Okay, I need to hurry. Listen to this out of Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. The scripture says, hatred stirs up fights, but love covers all sins. Hate, what stirs up fights? Hatred. But love covers all sins. And then 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. 
Above all, keep fervent, having and displaying a passionate intensity in your love for one another. Above all, above all, having and displaying, not just having, but displaying a passionate intensity. So like, you know, some of you, when you try to scurry out of church and I chase you down the hallway to get a hug, I'm just doing what the Bible says. I'm displaying a passionate intensity. That's my story. In your love for one another, because love, listen to this, love covers a multitude of sins. Now, if you put these two scriptures together, this is what they say. Love covers all sins, even when there's a multitude of them. Hmm. Now, we usually use the word multitude when it's too many to number. Love covers that. What an amazing thought. The love of God will cover, hide, and put out of sight more sins than we can even name. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7. I want to read this to you out of the literal and then the Weymouth. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Love quietly covers all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Weymouth worded it this way. She knows how to be silent. Where are you going with this, Pastor? You and I many times are too quick when we find out something somebody did. We want to tell everyone. Did you hear about so-and-so? Do you know what that preacher did? Do you know what Sister Abigail Smith did? We're all guilty of it. There's something in the carnal nature that if we can reveal how inferior they are, it makes us superior. Well, I might be a sinner, but not like them. Let me tell you what they did. <laughs> and faith shrinks. Because love doesn't expose, love hides. And see, there's a lot of people in the body of Christ, they think the Holy Spirit's gifted them the ministry of exposure. <laughs> there ain't no such ministry, y'all. Because love hides. Well, pastor, does that mean where's I supposed to let them get away with what they're doing? Are you God? God is the judge, and God will expose. And God will find those who feel like they got the ministry of exposure. You, he don't need your help. And I have long since decided and, and become convinced, if God wants something shut down, he can shut it down. And if he doesn't shut it down, we need to shut up about it. Right? Because it ain't about me proving you're right in order to convince you, or you're wrong in order to convince I'm right. It's about me having mountain-moving faith. When it comes to the faults, failures, and sins of others, love knows how to keep its mouth shut. When we gossip, tattle, and whisper about what she has done or what he has done, we're not operating in love, and faith operates by Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. He who covers his sins shall not be blessed, but whoever confesses and leaves them shall have mercy. Frequently, listen to this, I wrote this down so I'd get it right. Frequently we put God's plan into reverse. We want to use love to cover our own wrongdoings, but we want to, we want to or perhaps even enjoy exposing someone else's. Right? We want to use love to cover our sins, but the Bible says that we're supposed to forsake our sins. And if we've sinned, we confess our sins to him. We don't use love to hide that. We use love to hide. One last verse. 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 and 9. But if we keep living in the pure light that surrounds him, we share unbroken fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, continually cleanses us from all sin. If we boast that we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and we are strangers to the truth. But if, if we freely admit our sins when his light uncovers them, he will be faithful to forgive us every time. God is just to forgive us our sins because of Christ and he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now in closing, this is what I want to say. Faith worketh by agape, love. 
the type of love that I believe the best of everyone else. And if I know that you've done wrong, I'll go to the grave with that. Because it's not my job to expose. It's my job to cover. It's my job to say you're better than that. The only reason you behave like that is because you don't really know who you are. Go to him and confess your sins to him. He'll forgive you, and then you can go and sin no more. Everyone stand to your feet. How would you feel if we spent the next couple of weeks talking more about this love? Wonderful. Wonderful. Hallelujah, Father. Lift your hands toward heaven. And let's pray this together. Father, your standard is what I aspire to. And you and I both know that I've fallen short. But right here, and right now, I confess that I have sinned in speaking of other people. But I shall not do it anymore. I choose to love. I choose to love from that well that you have poured out your love deep down inside me. I want to stir it up, shake it up, bring it up, and then use it up. Father, help me in Jesus' name to love even as her even as him, even as them, even as love, agape love is not only the way, from now on, it's my way. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise.